you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. The Around the NFL Podcast. Got a two-star Yelp review from Steve Smith Sr. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I'm joined by a room filled with heroes. Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What's up, boys? What's going yeah. on? Very well directed with the hand motions there. Greg, jumping over uh, Wes's old hater hand. Oh, yeah. So It's something <laughs> Greg likes to do every couple of weeks just to uh, announce himself with authority. Is that true? Is that what I don't this know. is all about? It just about? means I wasn't paying any attention. Yeah. Yeah. Well, welcome to, yes, this is the Sunday night edition. I like to call it, Mark, the flagship edition of the podcast during the regular season because, really, this is where we make our enormous salaries uh, well into the seven figures, all of us. So you, you know you're going to get really high-quality content. I think it's the flagship flagship production of the entire NFL. I mean, we're the leading podcast around. Yeah. So, you know. That's true. All that stuff should fall in line. Yeah, there were some truths and some lies in the, anything that was just said. Well, the key the is, I seconds. think, you're hitting on the point that the NFL media is building all their empire around podcasts. So that's well, <laughs> without telling us that. <laughs> so, yes, the reason why it's a flagship show, because this is the show where we go over all the games uh, that happened on Sunday, and it was a very exciting Sunday of football in Week 10. A lot of big plays, some uh, major, I'll say, narratives being furthered <laughs> that's all i got is this the damashek podcast yeah dave does like narratives yes yes so yeah a lot to get to at the top of the show and we're not going to waste any time because we're going to get into it in a couple minutes giants patriots um greg a, a team that's been a thorn in your side for many a year a big showdown at uh the meadowlands so we'll talk about that first game up uh second peyton manning we're going to get to that a little later in the show. Uh, one of the lowest moments of his uh, majestic career occurred on Sunday in Denver. And, of course, the uh, Sunday night football game between our team of around the NFL, the Arizona Cardinals, and the Seattle Seahawks. So we'll uh, recap and give analysis of that game. All that's coming up on today's show. It's I so full. Not to mention Colleen Wolf coming in, which is always Connie good. Fox comes in. we got to talk to Connie Fox about something once she gets here about a little get-together 
at uh, Hansis Manor on Saturday night, and, and Connie had an issue. Mm. So we'll get to that. Um, yes, so all that coming up. And, you know, before we get into anything, we just do want to, of course, call attention to what happened uh, in Paris on Friday, the terrible uh, terrorist attacks that went down there. And I know we have, uh, TD uh, alerted me to this before the start of the show, we have a big listenership in France. So obviously uh, all of uh, France and Paris in our thoughts after uh, a really terrible situation that went right. down there. So that's it. Let's get to the football. Let's yeah, get to the football games. It. That's it. Let's move on. We will start with. The game between the New York Giants and the New England Patriots, who faced their biggest test of the season. And not surprisingly, it came from the Giants. Steven Gostowski hit a game-winning field goal with one second to play. It was the difference in a 27-26 win for the Patriots to move them to 9-0. Greg, these these two teams seem destined to play awesome games forever. All five games they've played have been classics, really. Great games. This might be the last one with Tom Brady. I know he says he's going to play till 50, no, but you don't see him every four years. I heard some Giants fan honking like this is like 2011. We'll get them back. Or this is like 2007. We'll get them back in the Super Bowl. I don't think so with this Giants defense, but the Giants look like the better team today. This was the game of the year to me. It had a little bit of everything. If you're watching on YouTube, you're seeing the longest catch of Rob Gronkowski's career. You saw the longest play given up in the Bill Belichick era. That was by Odell Beckham. You saw, I think, the best performance by a cornerback I've seen all year after that Beckham catch was Malcolm Butler today. He was the MVP, I think, for the Patriots, and it was fitting. He knocked the ball out of Beckham's hand when it looks like they scored a touchdown late in the game. You hear about what the Super Bowl champion gets the best of every team week after week, and with New England this year, it has not seemed that way. I mean, teams have been lined up like bowling pins to get knocked over. (laughs) This was the game, though, where New York seemed to want this as badly as any game they played all season. And they were a different team for most of this game than we've seen in most of their others. They were up 10 points in the third quarter. They were up two different times in the fourth quarter. Once the Patriots lost Julian Edelman at the end of the first quarter, they couldn't move the ball. I mean, that's why the the field goal drive that Brady put together to ultimately win the game at the end of the game uh, was by no means guaranteed because they were struggling to move the ball all day. And I think as, as great as this win was, it starts to show, okay, the Patriots are down their top two tackles. They're down Julian Edelman and Deion Lewis. They're missing Jamie Collins today. He should be back. But Julian Edelman has a broken bone in his foot. Who knows when he'll be back? These are significant losses. We're hearing, yeah, initial reports out there is that he could be sidelined into the postseason, uh, which obviously changes a lot of what they do. And you're going to, I guess, ask a lot more of Danny Edelman. Um, Danny Amendola. Danny Amendola, excuse me. Wes's boy, by the way, has had a lot of big moments for the Patriots. Fourth and 10 at the 20-yard line here, needing a field goal. Who does Brady go to? He goes to Amendola. With needing yards to set up the Gostkowski kick, who does he go to? Amendola, who makes a great cut to set up the field goal. He's made a lot of big plays for the Patriots. You know, I think he's not quite the athlete that Julian Edelman is. I think Edelman is one of the most underrated athletes in the league, but... The drop-off from Julian Edelman to Danny Amendola is not nearly as severe as the drop-off from Deion Lewis to James White and Brandon Bolden. Mm. But it, but now you're testing their depth. They, yeah, but you take away what Amendola was great in his role as like the third receiver, and now he has to step up right. one, and you, now you're looking at who? Like Aaron Dobson or Scott it, Chandler? It makes it know. easier for defensive coordinators to game plan when you take away Edelman and, and Deion Lewis. It, and, Greg, you did have a good call uh, 
on our previous show where you said don't get excited fantasy owners to go get uh, White and add it, plug him into that backfield because there is no Deion Lewis replacement coming. So yeah, without Deion Lewis or or um, Edelman, this is going to be a, a real challenge. And I think Brady's the guy that can overcome anything. But this is a big deal. I mean, Edelman is going to change a lot of what they do. But they we've seen Brady win even with the talent that remains, the the healthy players. He's won Super Bowls with lesser teams on That's offense. Fair. That's why this this win. It was exciting to watch as a fan, and it reminded me of those 03-04, some of the wins that he would put together then, because it wasn't his best game of the season. He threw an interception on the goal line with just under five minutes to go. That was after a penalty wiped out a LeGarrette Blunt play. He should have thrown an interception on the game-winning field goal drive on the first play of the drive. He threw a duck in the middle of the field, and Life the Giants lost it. On Greg, the throne of ease. Yeah, Greg's been through a tough way. stretch. We gotta, let's, let's acknowledge that. I'm just right. saying it wasn't his best game. But in the end, on the fourth down play, on when he needed an absolute yards at the end, he somehow got it and yes, found yes, a way yes. to win a tough game wow, against the game a, opponent. Wow, what a gutty performance by the entire Patriots. Nay, the entire New England region should be patted on the head <laughs> for another sterling effort. Much, be, much better performance uh, than by the Giants fan, who shall rename name, uh, nameless here who came over and started honking right when he thought the Giants had already won that game. That was unfortunate. They were, they were sitting right on the goal line. And I give Tom Coughlin, I don't blame him for going for it and throwing the ball. They didn't waste time. But that decision ended up costing them. Beckham could not hold on to the ball. The clock was stopped at 201. It ended up giving the Patriots an extra 40 seconds I found to it stop them. That was a catch, odd. by the way. You thought it was a catch? Of course it was. I, don't, I have no. Knows. Well, I have no idea yeah. what a catch. Yeah, Nobody knows what a catch is, but he caught the ball. We're watching it. If you're on YouTube, you were watching the replay, and to me, it's there's the catch. It's, that's when it's a catch. It's when you catch clearly, the ball. If, if that's in the middle of the field, there's no way that's a catch. Why would that be a catch? It well, probably because he caught the ball. But he doesn't hit the ground at all. I don't think this one was. This so stupid of a right. rule. You can see he catches the ball and turns. And I mean, how is it different than Golden Tate? Yeah, it's the same exact thing as Tate. No, Tate was coming into the end zone. It is very it's oh a How is that rule. even different? It's, Give me a break. Well, their explanation was that the ball was knocked out as just before the second foot was established. Right. But, you know, Which so isn't according, true, well, according to that rule, rule I'm going to go back and deliver catch. mail. I didn't think this was <laughs> a controversy. I would have been stunned if they hadn't reversed it. It was weird that they called it that way on the field. I didn't think this would spark another controversy. Of course. Nobody has any idea what a catch is. Hear, hear me out on this, Greg. Great play by Butler, though, who's making plays like that all game. Okay, we got <laughs> it. Hold on Nothing to it, Butler's Beckham. If your boy held corner. on to it with those strong mitts, they win the game. He blamed himself afterwards. He's a great young corner. Now, hear me out on this, Greg. That 9-0, and you're now seven away, 7 away from going 16-0 and for a second time. Well, part of you is like, oh, maybe it would have been okay to lose. Get that loss they'll out lose, of the way. They'll lose one. I don't, don't have so much pressure on them by January. I agree. If I, if I had to choose, I'd rather be 51. <laughs> but they'll lose one. I don't, no, I don't think that's that big a concern. That's what happens. No, the injuries are far more of a concern than some kind of uh, undefeated season. Yeah. Let us move on to another undefeated team. The Carolina Panthers, a former team of ATL, an efficient Cam Newton completed 21 of 26 passes, leading the Panthers to a 27-10 win over the Tennessee Titans. The Panthers also 9-0, Chris Wessling. And you know what? One thing and I saw in your write-up, they can run on everybody every week. Is that the key and the secret to their success this season? Well, I think they have a formula, and it's the same formula they've had for the last two or three years. Run the ball. 
They, they have gone 20 consecutive games with 100 yards rushing, which I believe the last team to do that is the 89-90 Chicago Bears. And for most of this game, the announcers were really worried the streak was going to end because <laughs> I think 40 of those yards probably came in the fourth quarter. They got to 119, but they were sitting on 60 for a while. Um, but, yeah, I, I think this was a game where the Titans have a better defense than everybody thinks. They sacked Newton five times, and the Panthers still won by 17 points. They, I give, I've given Mike Sula a lot of grief over the years. We should give him some credit because their running game, people talk about the, the passing game hasn't necessarily taken strides, and it has this season. But their running game is probably as complex and varied as any running game out there between Newton and Stewart, just the different looks that they give opponents week after week, a lot of the ender. I mean, just everything they do in the running game is very tough to prepare for. Mike Shula privately confided to me that he despises you. <laughs> well, I, <clears throat> I was on the couch today with Damashek and his yes. circus of friends, and MJD asked NFL about Sunday that Rosenthal What's the name guy? of the show? NFL Blitz Package. I don't know. NFL oh. Sunday Blitz. NFL Sunday now. Blitz. NFL Now Sunday Blitz. Every go. Sunday at 10 a.m. all day. All right. Well, go. Greg, let's not get away from the point. MJD <laughs> was coming after you about something you said about Shula way back like when. Three. He has like well, four different buttons he presses, one for each guy. <laughs> and that's his you know, specific thing he says about that guy. MJD, that is. That's my criticism. NFL all Now right. Sunday Game Day Blitz. Is that it? <laughs> game Day Blitz. Game Day Blitz. All right. We got it. We got it now. We thought the Titans might be frisky in this game. And I guess they were. It was, it was a one-score game for a while. A two and seven, though. Mariota and, yeah. and Newton both came out firing and both looked great in the first quarter, first quarter and a half. Second half, the defenses took over. Uh, but, yeah, Mariota looked pretty good. And then in the second half, I believe they had a, an interception, which was more Doriel Green Beckham's fault. Three punts, and then McCluster fumbled on their last drive. So, they basically didn't score a point in the second half mm. of the game. Mariota was due some bad luck after last week. I think he should give back that player of the week award. I've never seen that. That was the luckiest <laughs> thing I've ever seen. He didn't do anything to score 17 points in that game. Um, Brandon, behind the glass, do we have a Cam Newton got himself in a little more drama this week? Maybe we can just touch on that uh, for a second because, of course, we had last week Bannergate which I feel like has been swept under the rug collectively by society, yeah. which is bogus because Mike Dobbs deserved better. <laughs> Army man. You want us to keep talking about it? And now we move flash forward one week. Now Cam getting his opponents upset. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, you could check this out. Uh, he scrambles into the end zone and then does what Wes would call a little bit of preening. But, uh, he He's the best preener in sports. Uh, he's breaking it down. He's doing a little dance. No, hold on. He's not even done preening yet. I know. He's doing some dancing. Oh. Why does that make people mad? He just clinched the game. Well, after... <laughs> it is funny. I uh, can see why. Because he's a quarterback. If, Stop if, preening. If uh, <laughs> after the game he was asked about it, of course, he says, like, if you don't want me to preen, that's not what his wording was, <laughs> but don't let me get in the end zone, which I get it. Listen, there's a lot of swagger in Carolina, and, and they deserve to be have swagger because they are 9-0. and That's, I, and I think This still is not 3-0 being... or 4-0 and or 6-0. and 9-0 and is a significant portion of their schedule. Without right. a loss, they can do whatever they and want. And a ton of people seem to not be taking them seriously still. Like, we're talking about, oh, New England's 9-0. and They're going to march into the Super Bowl and go undefeated. Well, that's because they've done it before, but with Carolina – it's this new team, even though they're not new at all. They've been kicking people's butts for a couple of seasons now. It does feel they feel different, though. I mean, well, they are different, but it's just that to go nine and zero in the NFL yeah, and they're two games up, some good teams, two games up on on the one seed. My favorite part of the Cam taunting 
was when I think it was Avery Williamson, was it, who came over and got upset and started getting his face. <laughs> and at that point, then Cam responded with an extra little celebration yeah. right back at him in his face. Like, that's, I'm going to shoot you with my it's celebration. Not a, this is not a major issue in, in sports, but he's allowed to have fun and go out and do whatever he wants while having fun on the field. And I'm allowed to not like that that's his idea of fun. Sure. Right. That's very fair. <laughs> Greg, can I see you do that dance again? Look to see if you can. Right back at you. <laughs> can you look into <laughs> a camera? And I'm do not that looking at anything. Oh. It's pretty good. It's Thank not you. a bad cam dance. Uh, yeah. Anything else uh, from this game, Wes? No. We well, covered it all. Let's move on <laughs> to the Denver Broncos, who were undefeated as well uh, last week. They went down, and now they have the Kansas City Chiefs at home. Peyton Manning's going to set some records, and everybody's going to have a good old time. It didn't work out that way because on the same day that Manning did set the all-time passing yardage record, uh, he did it on the worst day of his professional career in terms of statistics. Manning threw four interceptions and was benched in Denver's 29-13 loss to the rising Chiefs. Wes, just when we thought Manning was turning the season around, this happens. What gives? Yeah, I, Peyton Manning's going to drive the story on this, but this was an absolute beatdown from the Chiefs. That's, to me, just as big of a story, that the Chiefs were up 29 to nothing. And it, wow. the Broncos got 13 points because it was garbage time, or as Connie Fox would say, junk time. But this was the Chiefs just totally dismantling the Broncos. Five completions for Manning, four interceptions. He got benched for performance reasons for Brock Osweiler. It's like, I mean, that's an amazing thing that we're just accepting. Okay, this somewhat fits in the arc of this season. It's happening. But that's a crazy thing that just happened out there in Denver. And is the game not crazy, though, considering some of the lower ebb moments we've seen from Manning this season? It feels like this game was coming at some point. I totally agree with Mark. I, I know Greg's going to point to the injuries and say this game's way different than anything we've seen from Peyton Manning. It's just... The bad throws we've seen from Peyton Manning extended over two and a half quarters instead of four or five throws in well, a row. Well, it's surprising because he's coming off his two best games of the year in a row. I no, think, last I think week watched, was not one of his best games. He made a couple of unbelievable throws in that game. He, they put up a lot of yards. I don't think he had a bad game. I, his, that's how bad his season's been. That's the second best game for the, this game to come after that. I mean, there was an injury problem. He was on the injury report. Gary Kubiak said after the game he, he was regretting. I'm sure the injuries were an issue. I think they were, but... Peyton Manning has had this game in him. I think it was waiting to come out. After the game, Gary Kubiak had this to say, falling on the sword. Came out of practice Friday, Saturday. As, uh, as y'all know, his ribs were bothering him a little bit. And I probably should have right there said, you know, no, we're not, he's not going to go this week. But, I, you know, I li- he's a competitor. He wanted to play. Akeeb was out. Uh, DeMarcus was out. He wanted to go. He felt like he could go. Uh, but I'm disappointed myself because I probably should have made that decision yesterday, and I didn't, so it's on me. You know, that's a coach sticking up for his player and trying to deflect the heat. I guess that's part of what the coach is supposed to do. But that doesn't change the fact that Manning did not look competitive. And this is a major problem for this team. Yeah, I mean, also, he the, again, like we've been saying, the throws that came today, we've seen evidence of this all season long. Whether he's healthy or not right now, separate issue. But we were, the last time they played, we were all talking about how he was looking a lot better and maybe he was turning the corner and they were going to be okay and they got Vernon Davis in the building. So for me, this was surprising to see him regress so completely and fall off the chart the way he did. If I'm the Broncos, I know that my season is in serious peril because there's no solution here. Manning afterwards said he blames his bad decisions more than any injury or anything like that. And a couple of the 
interceptions were thrown where you just didn't see a guy in zone coverage, essentially. So I don't, bad know, reads. I don't know if that, I don't know how you can blame arm strength on that. And that's what he's done even earlier in the season. He was having, he was moving the ball fairly well, but he would make a Mark Sanchez like interceptions to kill good drives. It's also a credit to Kansas City's defense, which is, you know, we kind of lost sight of Kansas City for a stretch because they are four and five and this was their biggest win of the year. But what about the fact that a couple weeks ago I was touting Denver's defense as the 85 Bears slash 2000 Ravens? <laughs> curse them. What's happened to them over three? I mean, losing, you know, the injuries have hurt them too. They were put in horrible field position all day today. Um, how can you, you got four interceptions, so they're getting the ball in their own territory. And they, they stopped the Chiefs on third downs all over and, and over again. They're without two of their best defensive players in the game. It's just, yeah. it's a tough spot. If you look at the Chiefs now, they're, they've won three in a row, four and five. Um, you thought, you know, when they lost Jamal Charles, you'd think that, oh, you know, they're done. Even on top of the slow start to lose your best player, Greg, do you think they could actually be in the wild card picture by the end of the season? Or is they're this in the kind picture right now. They are, they are one game back, and I think they are playing better than any of those teams in the wild card race. I was really impressed with what not they Pittsburgh. Did. I think they are. They absolutely slaughtered Pittsburgh. I mean, they, they beat Landry Jones. But they also moved the ball on offense against Pittsburgh and held the ball for about 38 minutes in that game. And I was really impressed with the Chiefs' offense in that game. Right now, I think they're they're as good or better than any of those wild card teams. Not they're Pittsburgh right with Big Ben well, on the field. Though. Even if you I take totally Big Ben out of the picture, let's say let's concede Pittsburgh getting that fifth wild card spot or the number five spot. I agree totally. The Jets have regressed. The Raiders are up and down. The Chiefs are. You know, they're in that grouping where you can't say the those Bills. Are, the Bills the are Chiefs, up and down. They're in that group. Chiefs have a very good defense, but they're a field goal offense and a touchdown league. Uh, that's, that's a big problem come playoff time. Yeah, they're built to go 9-7 and seven at their ceiling and get whacked in the wild card game, so let's <laughs> not get too excited. I, I just wonder if Brock Osweiler is going to win you some sandwiches and start a game this season for performance reason. Because when Kubiak said he regretted starting Peyton Manning, on one hand, yeah, that's falling on the sword. On the other hand, I'm sure he belie- I'm sure he really wishes he did start Brock Glassweiler because Peyton Manning gave him no chance to win. Win who some sandwiches? Win Mark some sandwiches because he said that Brock Osweiler will start a game this season due to performance reasons. And that's got to be on the table at this point. Well, Kubiak point. emphatically shut down the notion of a quarterback controversy, but I don't think he can shut down the talk in Denver this week. Right. There yeah. is going to be a controversy. Well, another game like this, you have to start thinking about what's best for the team. Mark, um, let's move forward. Uh, where were you in 1991? Uh, I was a junior in high school. Were those happy times in your life? Excellent times, as far as I remember. I block out all the negativity. Oh, that's good. I like that because 1991 was the last time that the Lions had defeated the Packers in Green Bay mm. until Sunday. It's <laughs> ridiculous. They won in Green Bay. Mason Crosby's 52-yard field goal attempt didn't have a chance. It was the final play in a Lions 18-16 win over the Green Bay Packers, who have suddenly, outrageously lost three in a row after a 6-0 start. They're now uh, in second place in their division. Everything is going to hell in Green Bay, and it's amazing watching this game today. It's, I know this has been going on for a few weeks now with Green Bay's offense, but you would think at home, okay, now this is going to be the game where they start to get healthy and put some points on the board and get, you know, relax and all that, all that fun stuff. There's no reason to relax because this is a total systemic breakdown uh, from the um, 
the personnel without Jordy Nelson is not stepping up and filling the role. The play calling, Tom uh, Clements, he was supposed to take over for Mike McCarthy and elevate his profile to get a head coaching job. That's not happening right now. Aaron Rodgers, uh, unless he has an injury that we don't know about, he does not look like Aaron, Rodger, like Aaron Rodgers. He's missing throws, which you never see him miss. Uh, Randall Cobb had a big drop in this game. James Jones, who's dropped off the grid entirely in the last month, had a big drop in this game. They, they just, I don't even recognize this team anymore. It's, it, that's, this is now becoming one of the biggest surprises of the season mm. to me. And there's a lot of things happening because, you know, go back to the preseason game against Pittsburgh when they lost Jordy Nelson and all this talk about Devontae Adams and Ty Montgomery and the other weapons that they had groomed from in-house. And there was a lot of hopeful conversation about those guys stepping in and playing a bigger role. But it's just not that easy to replace an all-pro, pro-bowl-type receiver like Jordy Nelson and the chemistry he has with Rodgers, too. Devontae Adams turned 21 targets into 79 yards. That is one of the least efficient games by wide receiver you'll ever hear. I think a, a part of this... That's outrageous. Yeah. yeah. Part of this, uh, to me, also is... And I don't want to take anything away from Aaron Rodgers because obviously he's an all-time great, but there was a general belief that no matter what happened, he was so good that anybody that they plugged in, they were still going to be a 30-point-a-game offense because they had a quarterback playing at that high a level, and that's simply been exposed not to be the case. They're vulnerable, and having no running game doesn't help either. Well, the plays he was making at the beginning of the season perhaps just weren't repeatable. They were out of structure, I guess you would call them, plays with outrageous throws. I mean, he made a couple of them last week in Carolina too, but just counting on doing that week after week, you can't really you can't count on that. And you look at this offense, they were 25th in yards going into this game. That'll only go down. This wasn't just a loss. This is a loss to the worst team in the NFL. I mean, there's no doubt that the Lions were the worst team, a terrible defense, a terrible offense to lose to Detroit at home. And I mean, what did Martha Ford say to that Lions team? <laughs> Give her the executive of the year. She's turned this ship around. It's like Major League she 3. She said nothing. Uh, but <laughs> Detroit did every wow, just like the, the third movie in I the don't Major know. League I, franchise. Well, I say this is a new one. Martha yeah. Ford has taken over. Detroit did everything in its power to blow this game. It was actually kind of hilarious to watch because this is what bad teams do. It was almost like they're like the Jets on steroids. Mm. Like they uh, got a touchdown late in the game, and all Matt Prater had to do is kick an extra point to make it a two score game with two minutes to play. Game over. He pushes it left. That was his second missed extra point of the game. So instead of it being a two-score game, it's 18-10. What happens? Aaron Rodgers finally uh, gets his team in the end zone. They can't convert the two-point conversion. There's 30 seconds left. 18-16, game over, right? No. The Packers recover the onside kick. When the onside kick goes through Calvin Johnson's fingers, (laughs) they get the ball into field goal uh, range. And I don't know what happened with Crosby. who's a good kicker uh, sometimes. And he... If you watch this uh, game, the highlights, the ball was not blocked. It looks like it was blocked. He just mishit it so poorly, it never even stood a chance. I like what you put in your post, where it's not R-E-L-A-X time for the Green Bay Packers this time. Where Aaron Rodgers sold that last year, and he was correct. It's time to settle down and wait. This offense will get its, its, its feet back together. But what this time around, it's late in the year, and you don't have Eddie Lacy, the guy he was last season. That was a big part of their offense blowing people up with the run game in bad weather in Green Bay. I just, I wonder what's going to happen with this team. It's not I'd heading in the right direction. Once his groin is healthy, I would put him on a treadmill for like 14 straight days, 
get him back to his playing weight last year, and then give him the ball 25 times and hope that writing the – because James Starks had his chance today, did not look good, averaged less than three yards a carry. I thought he left yards on the field. He did not look it's like – almost a, like he's a career backup. Yeah, he did not look <laughs> dynamic. So there's not going to be a situation where Starks is going to run away with this job. Almost like their only chance this season is for Lacey to return to form, which is crazy to say. Physical they trainer Dan, I like this. Maybe I, you're the man to go down there. I never thought Lacey. I would be a personal trainer, uh, and I still don't think it will happen, but this is just my idea. Well, they have the Vikings like next week, don't they? They have the Vikings, yes. the Vikings they do. coming yeah. up, and yep. that's a monster game. You lose there, you could go two back in the division. Then again, if you suddenly can find a way to just win that game. I do think this team, if you look – at their history, with even when Rodgers is healthy, they've had little dips in play for a month at a time, and I still believe they can get out of it. Yeah, you know, for all the talk about Jordy Nelson, last year I think Damashek had Rodgers, Jordy Nelson, and Lacey behind only the Steelers trio for triplets. You don't have Nelson or Lacey on the field today, and James Jones is no longer a part of the offense. How was the protection? Yeah. Last week, I thought that was a huge part of the problem. Was Rodgers? Uh, the protection was fine. I mean, he was he was moving around because he's so good at that. It wasn't like he was clean all day, but it wasn't a situation where that was the reason why they lost because they couldn't protect him. It was just there's there's widespread problems on that offense. Mm. It's wild. Jim Caldwell, by the way, said he was not dead during the the bye week. I disagree. And he proved it. He's not dead. <laughs> did he prove it? He's alive. They won a game. Hook him up to a machine. They Let's did. See. He did something no Lions coach has done in 25 years. You're telling me that Jim Caldwell has a pulse. It's fact. That is the biggest surprise of the season. All right. So if the worst loss, if the worst loss of the day was Green Bay falling to the worst team in football at home. The second lot worst loss would have to be what happened in Philadelphia today because the Eagles blew a two-touchdown two lead at home. Uh, the end result, a 20-19 to 19 loss to the Dolphins. Uh, Greg, the Eagles lost their quarterback and a golden opportunity to create some distance in the NFC East. What a disaster. The Eagles hate the Around the NFL podcast. Whenever we start crowning them like we did in the preseason, naming them the number five team or this last week, as the NFC East favorite, they got to put out a stinker on there on the field. They got my hopes up, too. They look great in the first quarter, 16-3, to touchdown drive the first couple drives, and then they do nothing the rest of the game. Sam Bradford leaves with a shoulder injury. They lose because of special teams, really, a blocked punt and a missed field goal, I think, were really the differences in this game. And for everyone that wanted Mark Sanchez to come out on the field, this is what you got. They moved the ball but they didn't finish drives, and he threw an absolutely killer interception in the end zone with under five minutes to go when they only needed a field goal to take the lead, and I think the defense would have finished out that game for him and, and just couldn't do it. You, you uh, were talking downstairs about the last sequence of the game uh, on offense. Do you want to take us through that a little yeah, bit? Yeah, it was absolutely awful. I, if you're watching on YouTube, we should show it here. It's just, it, it's as bad, it just was the Eagles' offense really in a nutshell if you were watching this <clears throat> during the game. First, Miles Austin doesn't even look for a pass that goes right to him. Then they throw it to DeMarco Murray. He drops the ball. The next snap, Sanchez is a little too high, throwing it to Selleck. He can't make a tough catch. And then finally, on fourth down, the protection breaks down, and Mark Sanchez throws it way short of the sticks on fourth and 10, and the game is over. They were in the great position to just get 20 yards, kick a field goal, and win the game, and they couldn't do it. None of those passes were more than seven yards in length, and they got zero completions out of it. 
total breakdown. It's it just feels like one of the most schizophrenic teams. What you get one week and you think you've built some momentum and you're going to get some traction with your running game or your quarterback play, and the next week it's completely different. That was great scientist work there, Greg. Thank you, sir. Bradford. I mean, Bradford. Wes. Looked great in the first two drives. What, you want to shoot me down? No, Greg's much better at that. No, I'm saying, like, this is your chance now. Maybe next Sunday you could bang Greg with a sequence. All right. Ooh. I don't know. Caught me in terms of sequence. Sounds disturbing. Yeah, maybe. Okay. Go ahead, Greg. Oh, I was just going to say, I mean, Bradford started the game. I think he looked really good for most of the game. But they moved, I think he had 122 yards in the first two possessions and then only 129 in the next seven. We should give the Dolphins some credit. The defense played well, really, the last three quarters of the game, and Ndamukong and Sue had one of, if not his best game as a Dolphin, and they really shut down DeMarco Murray. They did what they wanted to do. I'm going to do, as, as everyone knows, I once got a 39 on a state-mandated math test in New York, <laughs> uh, but I'm going to do some math on the overall record of the NFC East. 9, 13, 15, and 27. Mm. No, that's incorrect. Almost nailed it. 20, 15 <laughs> and 22. That's not good. That's that pretty, is ugly. That's pretty bad. Almost half the wins are just in-division games playing each other. We'll get to the Cowboys in a second, but I'm just going to throw it out there. Wes, two and a half games out, they're not dead. Talking about a team with a seven-game losing streak. <laughs> I'm just saying the, the division is that poor that the season is not over if they ever can start winning games. Well, they know how to lose games. And, well, and the Miami can convince themselves they're in the mix again. Four and five, they're they're right there. With That's the Chiefs. Chiefs' record. They're one game. Yeah, they're one game back. They didn't impress today at all. I don't think, but they this, still won. This week is really in the AFC playoff picture is telling you a real story. I mean, I think the Steelers are uh, uh, above those other teams in the mix, but the Bills, the Raiders, the Jets. If you want to throw the Chiefs in there, if you want to throw the Dolphins. None of those teams are juggernauts, so there's really no heavy favorite, I think, to take that sixth spot. I would just do what we normally do and line them up by strength of quarterback. I mean, that's why Pittsburgh's easily number one, and I'll take my chances with the next. And, and best why I'm not feeling good about Miami. I mean, Ryan Tannehill never sees the free blitzers coming at him. It's either the line or it's him. They kept getting to him today. They tied a record third straight week where they took a safety. That's a Tyson <laughs> NFL record. How does that, I mean, how does that even happen? That's unbelievable. That's it was great on CBS because they were right near the goal line, and so then they showed the sequence of the two safeties, which were just on bad snaps the last two weeks, and then the next play, Tannehill just takes a sack and fumbles out the back of the end zone. <laughs> the very next play. Depressing. So I brought up the Dallas Cowboys. Let's talk about them next. Jameis Winston scored on a one-yard I call it a nude bootleg. A lot of people say Ooh. naked bootleg. I say nude <laughs> just to put my own kind of stamp on it. That feels a little dirty. I like it. Yeah, thank you. With 54 seconds to play, the decisive points in the Buccaneers 10-6 win over the flatlining Dallas Cowboys. The Cowboys who were 2-0 when their quarterback got hurt. And all they needed to do was win a couple of games during the stretch with Romo. Supposed to be back next week. They could not win a single game. They have now lost seven straight. And... I, watching this game, it was it told you how important. We always know Romo is important. He's overlooked in that sense. They don't have anybody. They don't know how to close out any of these games. They've been in so many of these games, and they always find a way to lose. And I found it interesting. And when you guys check out this game during the week, you'll see the same thing that they got Des Bryant back, and he was supposed to be a guy that, that kind of stopped the bleeding. Today, he contributed to their loss. They had a third and short with five minutes to play in the game. Uh, with a chance to move the chains and run out the clock up 6-3.
Des Bryant drops the ball. A, pa- a, a nicely thrown ball by Castle was about a seven-yard pass. Couldn't hold it in. And then on the last play of the game uh, for the Cowboys, again, Castle goes up with a deep ball. And instead of fighting for the ball, Des uh, is calling for a penalty. The ball's intercepted. And uh, Des Bryant doesn't make a play on a, a game on the line, deep ball, and one on one coverage. So, I mean, those are the type. Des has to make a play either or there, and, ho- you know, preferably both. And he didn't. And that's how you lose games. So bad teams figure out ways to lose games, and the Cowboys are a bad team. I think teams led by Brandon Whedon and Matt Castle also find ways but to lose games. But you know games. what? Castle wasn't great today. Castle was very good last week. And it's not just on him. It's just like this team is just, they don't. They, I mean, I don't know. It's got to at some point go, go back to coaching maybe a little bit. There's, they do not know how to close out these games. Well, they, they must be maddening to watch as a fan. It's almost like a, they lack character or something. Right. They have a, <laughs> that's where I was it's going perhaps. on some point is that they have a loser's mentality right now. The Bucks did not enter the red zone until their game-winning touchdown with under a minute to go. So the defense, I, just looking at that stat, clearly played very well the played whole game. Well. And when they needed one more drive, that was the drive where they let the Buccaneers drive down the field and win it. And a perfect example of bad teams finding ways to lose. I think it was two plays before the the game-winning touchdown run for Winston. Winston scrambles uh, for the goal line, goes up in the air, loses the ball without getting hit, recovered by the Cowboys, game over. Only defensive holding on the Cowboys wipes the play out. So, I mean, it, it was one. It was a stomach punch loss for the Cowboys, one in many this season. I mean, you you get, you know you have Dez going nuts on the sideline. You have Greg Hardy getting into altercations on a weekly basis. And I, I get it from the standpoint that it's got to be super frustrating to be a member of the Dallas Cowboys because you get your heart ripped out week after week after week. Greg Hardy, 0-5, I believe, by the way. Shocking. Shocking that that would happen there. It's another uh, example of it, the lie where coaches say the hardest thing to do in sports is win an NFL game. The Buccaneers have won four games this year. Not, the, not taking anything away from them. They're, they're fine. But I they're think not that is team. taking something away. It took a lot they're of an improved away. team. They're an improved they team. Are. They're like a seven-win type of team, yeah. which is doubling, more than doubling. So if the Cowboys go perfect the rest of the way, the best they can do is nine and seven. Sorry, Dan. I don't think that's a playoff team. Well, nine and seven. No, that's that's in the like wildly unlikely chance they do go perfect. Well, nine and right. seven. That's could not going to that happen. Division. They could win the division. They don't even know how to win a game. If you told me nine, they're going to go nine and seven, I'd say they're winning the NFC East. But they're not going to go nine and seven. They'll just beaten the rest of the because they they did themselves in because they needed to steal a couple of these games. You can't lose all seven. It's a total joke scenario. So I'm not going to get behind the Cowboys at 2-7 and seven at this point, because what have they shown? Even when Romo gets back, a rusty Tony Romo is going to roll off seven wins in a row. I think happening. God is very angry at this team. Hmm. It would be great, though. It would be great for, like I said it last week, for the Romo... For the Romo narrative of it all, he comes back that in would there, be great. and then they just start winning game after game. I would love. I would. It would be the only thing that would make Romo to me is likable, despite what the team attached to him. What you think about them? You, Wes, come on, Tony Romo, a little redemption leads him. Uh, I get a sense that Tony Romo is one of the nicest people in the NFL. I would love for him to win games if he was playing for a different organization. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough, uh, Darren McFadden, your boy, who is. Second in the league in rushing over the past three weeks. Came back down to earth a little mm. bit in this game, but he didn't get hurt, Wes. He'll be back next week. Your boy, he's okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm already come out on top on this I'll one. have to delay my long-planned mea culpa about how well Mc, McFadden's playing. Mm. Now i gotta, you know, I get to I will, I'll believe that when I hear it. 
Yeah, that, I could see Greg like checking the box score about a couple hours ago, I, and, like, a grin creeping oh, over yeah. his face. <laughs> I seriously did think that when I watched the Cowboys finally over the weekend. I was like, On a right, day with it's many... time for my, me to finally admit mm. how well he's playing, but now he stinks again. No many cow- victories for Greg today. That's one of just the more minor ones. <laughs> yes, uh, uh, avalanche of victories. Um, no Cowboy player had a longer run than seven yards in the game. Uh, moving on, there was a guy that had a lot of yards uh, for the Minnesota Vikings today. He was Adrian Peterson, who ran for a season-high 203 yards, including a game-icing 80-yard score in, late in the fourth quarter, leading the Vikings to a 30-14 to victory over the Raiders. Mark, the Vikings are 7-2 and and all alone atop the NFC North. Are you buying in? I'm buying into their defense. I think they did a good job against Oakland today, and it's, it's the – it's consecutive weeks in a row that their defense has started to show up and do the job. I, their, their offense to me is very weird because, yes, it's Adrian Peterson, and he got stronger as the game went on today and finally broke that game ceiling run. But I just the Teddy Bridgewater thing, I was watching him versus Derek Carr, and it's just a personal preference, but everything about Derek Carr I like better. I just like, I like what Oakland has with their quarterback. And he's, he's, Derek Carr is going to throw the ball deep over and over. He just has that arm. And Teddy but, Bridgewater seems more to me like he's just managing the game with shorter passes. And but I, he is right now. I just, it's yeah. 23 years old, too. Also, sure. It's not a, a final analysis. This but. is, to me, a, a, a bad loss for the Raiders. You've you got to stack some wins at home if you're a team that's making the leap. And I guess... Maybe it's time, and I'll, I'll be the first to say that I haven't been all that impressed by the, the Vikings this season to this point. And maybe the Raiders are still kind of a team figuring out, and they're really a 500 team. But this is a really big win for the Vikings on the road against a team that's had some success against uh, teams that are decent this year. Yeah, I mean, again, nice they, they shut down a good offense, and they, they won an ugly game. And I think that Minnesota, this was they're now into the part of the schedule that we thought a couple weeks ago would destroy them and take them down. And they keep winning, and they've got Green Bay next week. You take care of business there, and they seriously are in the driver's seat. Yeah, the, the, before this game was even over, my at mentions on Twitter were blowing up with people wanting to some sort of apology about the Vikings. I guess I've been critical about the Vikings on the podcast that we're not giving. Oh, how are you going to skip giving them some credit now? Are they finally a good team? Block them. <laughs> <laughs> just because they're 7-2, and two, this was an impressive performance. I mean, this, I think, just looking at it, would be their best game of the season to shut down an offense like that. Then again, you know, that's it's still a four and five team they beat. It doesn't change the fact that I think they've been lucky and that their record is not really reflective of how good they've been so far. But it doesn't matter because they're seven and two and they have an identity, which is good. They have a great defensive line. Linval right. Joseph sounds like he had a good game again. Yeah. And they have the running game and they, they kind of know who they are. And that, that could be enough. It's not like they need to be great to win 10 or 11 games. I think with the Vikings, Zimmer came in and he's doing what he promised he would do on defense. What concerns me is Norv Turner's, who's year after year had a great passing game no matter where he goes. There's no identity to this passing game right now. Mike Wallace has vanished. Diggs didn't really show up today. They shut him down in the first half completely. And that's against Oakland's secondary. Not a single receiver had more than 45 yards. Wallace is done in terms of... Um being a deep threat. There's a there's a stat that he was, I think, the number three guy in the NFL in recent seasons is that type of player that could take the top off defense. He's not doing that anymore, and that was really what he was there for. I think he also went to a team where the quarterback doesn't throw the deep ball that often. That's just not what their passing game is right now, and that's sort of what I meant where with Carr, it's sort of a 
he's just a little more daring. He'll just he'll right. put it downfield, and I like think Oakland's more fun to watch for that reason. You like yourself a daring man. I like a daring. You are individual. a daring man sometimes. Oakland's more fun to watch, but their defense is going to keep them out of the playoffs. They gave yeah, up. Yeah. They gave up 500 yards to two guys last week, just two players, and then they give up the 200-yard game to Peterson today. This is not a good defense. Yeah, and holding. You know, we should give Vikings credit. I mean, holding the Raiders to 14 points at this point, we've seen other teams go into Oakland and they get waxed. The Jets were a good defense. They got waxed. The Chargers are not good, but they got waxed. I mean, Oakland went into Pittsburgh, who had been playing pretty well, and they put up 35 points. For Minnesota to do this, I mean... They have a good D. Linval Joseph looks like he ate somebody. I mean, he's massive. Can we rule that out? He's been eating running backs all year. I I think that's illegal. And don't look now, by the way. First of all, Adrian (laughs) Peterson is uh, closing in on 1,000 yards after nine games, and he is on pace for about 1,800 yards this season. Uh, This is an all-time great that we are watching. Just a reminder. Tied O.J. Simpson for most uh, 200-yard performances. Hubba hubba. What a weird season. And leads the league in negative plays. Yeah. And plays over 10, 10 yards. We've covered it all. What else can be said? We have to move forward, and it is one of my favorite parts of the week is when I get to introduce um, the next individual to come through the doors here at Studio 66. She is uh, one of the mainstays on, Mark, pay attention now, NFL Now Game Day Blitz. Yes, she is. She's Uh, the star of that vehicle. Yes, uh, the white couch of truth, as Sheck calls it. Um, She is the great, the great Connie Fox. Jazz hands. Jazz hands. I went with jazz hands this week. It is never not awkward. It's awful. On the ISO cam. I know. I'm really happy that we highlight it every week. We could have made it even more awkward if we showed a video of uh, some of your dance moves on NFL Now today, which was sent over the interwebs. Sometimes these things happen. I don't really know what to say about it. It just continues to get more awkward. Look it up. And I, I hate that this almost seems like Colleen comes in here and we... You know, just, uh, you know, instead of saying, hey, how you doing, Colleen? We got agendas with Colleen because I got something to say about what happened last night at Hansis Manor. <laughs> I'm still, I, no, my confidence is shattered. Uh, can I bring it up? What Go happened? ahead. I've been thinking about it all day. We played a little bit of uh, the, the card game Cards Against Humanity, oh. which uh, for those that are familiar with it, uh, it's, I don't know, how would you even describe what that game is? Uh, it's like Balderdash meets... Something else. You might as well be know. speaking Greek right now. I yes. <laughs> but anyway. It's a card game. It's a ca- card game where a you try to like. Game. Yeah, it's a disturbing game. You try to, you know, have the funniest line and then people pick it. Colleen was shut out. Okay. Shut I out. I got a did not bad have any batch points. of cards. That's the problem. Yeah. Look, when you get a bad batch in Cards Against Humanity, there's, there's no way you can redeem yourself. It is like taking over like a Matt Millen wow. team where you're just... You're digging out from under it. Some GMs, if you have the right vision, you get out from underneath it. You did not. So I did not. She didn't do anything wrong. She just performed I didn't do anything poorly right, in a Rosie. game of skill. Well, it wasn't, yeah. It wasn't a great showing by I Colin. had bad cards and found a way to get a few points. So, I think Wes yeah. won. I did. So there you go. Yeah, I started getting desperate at the end. It was bad. It did. It was <laughs> awesome. It was in your head. head. Not, I, not I, yes. <laughs> All right. So, Colleen, would you mind uh, if we talk a little football? Let's do it. Yeah. All right. Let's start uh, with the Washington Redskins, who, yeah, they remain in the mix in the NFC East after embarrassing the crumbling Saints, 47-14 to 14 at home on Sunday. Kirk Cousins threw four touchdown passes, two of them to tight end Jordan Reed. Uh, in the blowout. Colleen, 
Honestly, what does Rob Ryan have to do to get fired? I have no idea because I was thinking the same exact thing. This has been an absolute meltdown. The defense looks so awful every week. The Titans did it last week. Kirk Cousins looked awesome. He looked like he was unstoppable. He had 300 passing yards and three touchdowns at the half. Mm, I mean, wow. he looked so good, but at this point, they just should have Dennis Allen take over because I have no idea how you even come back from such a terrible performance like this. You hear over and over that players love Rob Ryan, that they get behind him and just think he's the greatest coach around. He has all this support, but the results are an epic disaster. I will, one, one thing, I guess, in Rob Ryan's defense is how would you do as a defense coordinator if you had Brandon Browner getting significant snaps week after week, who's hands down the worst cornerback in football. If you're Bill Belichick, you win a Super Bowl. Ooh. Wow. Too well, I mean, <laughs> it's very fair. No, that's not fair at all, actually. It's totally he fair. Started. That's exactly what happened. He was the starter uh, of the Super Bowl. You're right, because Darrell Rivas is on the Saints, too. So, no, I mean, they were able to hide him. He can't be hidden in this defense. They, ha they don't have great personnel. That doesn't help matters. This team's well, a mess, a train wreck, personnel-wise. Browner if you're Rob Ryan making that push for that veteran cornerback. Well, this well, we is a bye week for the about. Saints, and I don't think anyone will be surprised. In fact, maybe we should just assign if somebody out scores the article 40 points now. On Wes, it? you're in late on Mondays, so you're out of the mix. Hmm. Um, Dan, you've got the Rob Ryan loses his job post. Actually, this is getting All right. too... I'll take it. I'll take the Rob Ryan beat. If it's it mean, though. It's yeah. mean that that we're planning is yeah. doing. Now I take this all out of the show. <laughs> I... Leave it in to show Strike Greg's it. true colors. Right. That's yeah. good. <laughs> Speaking of Greg's true colors, I, I guess Kirk Cousins might go up to like 30th in your quarterback ranks. Oh, wow. Oh. Shocking. Uh, Cousins did, I would say Cousins' best game of the year basically was last Perfect week. Perfect passer rating he had. So Let's this see. is a couple couple good weeks in a row now for him. And Yeah, and I feel horrible that we forked the Redskins because. No, what? Who's better than them in this division? That's they, fine, but that's so, such, if we were getting mad at our, if we wanted to crow about every team that we shouldn't have forked, that's four and five, we would have the Dolphins, we would have the Bills, we would have the Raiders, we would have the Jaguars, we'd have that's the fine. so that's fine, like there's a million of them. Dan asked me a couple weeks ago, can I picture Jay Gruden at that podium for the playoffs? Ooh. Yes, I can. That and question I can picture, stands. Wow. And I can picture you like that catching on throughout the, that final two months of the season as a big playoff push. You like that. What we see from Washington, like in their ceiling games, is what we saw today, which is good play from Kirk Cousins for most of the game today. It was the entire game, and they ran for 200 yards. Their offensive line, when it's clicked, has been a dominant run game, and that's when Washington can win this division because you're right. What's the other team that's going to jump up and take them, the Eagles? That's fine, but nope. then next week Giants. when they lose to Carolina and they're four and six, and maybe the Eagles or the Giants get a win, and then they're back to two games back, then we'll be like, well, I guess it's okay we fork the things. You're right that that the top of the NFC East is all mediocre, and that, that they'll probably stay in the mix the they, time, but I don't think they'll win. Or a seven and nine team wins this division. When they win, lose thirty-one-six at Carolina next week, no one's going to be biting their fingernails about the Washington Redskins. They're they're a bad team in a horrible division. That's all. Yeah, they but are. you keep acting like the Cowboys are frisky and they're two games behind the Redskins. <clears throat> I mean, maybe. You missed earlier in the podcast where I said they can't be taken seriously, but I think the Giants and Eagles, even though what we saw today, still are a better team, two better teams than the Cowboys and the Redskins. But I with think the Redskins, though, what I'd say is there is something being built because occasionally you see these performances popping through. Maybe it's not this season, but when there's they're hope healthy. for next season. When they're healthy, they get Deshaun Jackson back, their offensive line's intact. They're a different team when Calling they're healthy. As an Eagles... Homer, let's be okay. honest. Like, which of the three teams? <laughs> Awkward. 
which of the three teams would you be most afraid of winning this division oh, right wow. now? The Giants, I mean, Redskins, or the Cowboys? Probably the Giants. And when I watch the Eagles, I there's no I'm not confident in anything that I see. I feel like there's nothing that says they are a good team when I watch them. But the Redskins, they play the Saints and they and they look great. But that's not consistent. Giants showed a little something on Sunday, even though they lost that game. They really should have won it. I mean, they, they I thought, outplayed the Patriots. That's something. But you're right. There's no great teams. We do have, by the way, um, Brandon behind the glass um, told me we have this. A little more, Wes was saying, you like this. Or is it you like it? Whatever it is. Catching on, defensive <laughs> like, end. You like that. You like that. Chris Baker, Baker after the game shouting at a local cameraman. The defense stood up. They did a great job. You like that? You like that? I like that. <laughs> you got to like that, right? You got to like Chris that. Chris Baker, by the way, is having a great season. <laughs> he did that in the... I know. I, it's not even the one that I saw. Yeah, exactly. Multiple I saw him times. Do, I saw him do that in the hallway after the game. It's becoming a thing. Chris Baker, hey. He's trying too hard a little bit. I don't know. This team's got something I like special. It. Okay. But also, by the way, on the other side of things, why do you still have Drew Brees in the game at, at the mm. end when they are down by, like, 30 points? Hmm. What, Who knows why? what's going on in New Orleans? Just blow the whole thing up Get- and be done with it. <laughs> Enough. Uh, it, it's a mess. He's playing so well, too, coming into this game. Like, I thought he played unbelievable last week. They, they made that little rally to 4-4, four and four, and now none of it matters. Let's just move on. Uh, All right. Jason Myers kicked a 53-yard field goal after Jacksonville got one last play thanks to a face mask penalty with no time on the clock. In the end, it meant the Jaguars ended their 13-game road losing streak Sunday, a 22-20 win over the Baltimore Ravens, another team that knows how to uh, lose and find ways to do it. Wes, the Jags don't get too many gifts from the football gods. They're going to take this. This one was a huge gift. I believe there are only four plays in history where – a team won after the time had run out because of a defensive penalty. In the NFL, you cannot end a game on a defensive penalty. Elvis Dumerville, uh, face mask penalty on Blake Bortles as time expired, mm. set up this 53-yard field goal. They would not have been in within distance to go for it. Bortles falls down on the play, and then there's the face mask penalty. It sets up the 53-yarders. That's so unbelievable. Jason wow. Myers redeemed himself after missing a uh, easy 26-yard chip shot early late in the third quarter mark isn't it in the uh, the illustrious history of cleveland browns part two wasn't there a player who took his helmet off that extended a game wayne in, rudd in didn't extend a game it ended a game that's one of them <laughs> no that extended the game and then they kicked the field yes goal, that's exactly it? right and kelly holcomb threw for like 450 yards and none of it matters sorry hank poteet was another one i forget what the fourth one was you, i i liked your tweet when you said if you're coming up with the five most painful losses this year the giants might have all of them but the Cowboys would be in the mix. Yes. And the, the Ravens yeah. have found crazy ways yeah. to lose week after week. They've all been pretty close games, too, at the end. That at is, least, I mean, like, within eight points or so. That is the NFL. All these games seem to be close because there's not a lot of difference, I guess, in the talent level for a lot of the league. But, yeah, I mean, the Giants, they crack me up because, you know, I have these Giants fans and I have a, a text string that just I have to silence it on my phone because I'm working. <laughs> But it's just conversation. And I wish I could read it, but it's there's so many expletives involved. Uh, just pure anger because every Giants fan thinks that they should be seven and two right now, but they're not. 
Those are the same Giants fans that you invited to the Super Bowl a couple years ago. I know, that's why I don't Hugging each other with the Super Bowl trophy in their arms. So This was not an impressive game for Jacksonville. They had trouble moving the ball against the secondary that Mark has been pointing out on a weekly basis. Everyone Mm -hmm. throws on the Ravens, but they had trouble moving the ball. And then the Ravens offense, Flacco's numbers look pretty good, and, and he played pretty well, but it's just telling that you're... Kamar Aiken is the only guy you're throwing to outside the numbers, oh. and you've got three slow tight ends that you throw to, and that's about it. Yeah, Flacco, he had two interceptions, lost that fumble, too, in the game. I mean, it was dicey for and, him. And then get that fourth win on Thursday Night Football, Jacksonville. I mean, the, each one of these wins is so big to this coaching staff who's just trying to keep a job. Yeah. They can get a home win on Thursday night, four and six. They're kind of in it. I mean, at least they can keep their jobs, and everyone just relaxes. It's another team with a disastrous record that could win their division. Yeah, and, and Mark, it has been another dry season for the Browns, but you are enjoying the Ravens going down to flames this year. As you not, actually, it. not as much as I enjoy seeing the Jaguars win. Because being there in London and kind of being mm. around that team, I think that this, I hope they don't blow this thing up no matter what happens this season. It's magnanimous of you. I want one more year from the, the coaching staff and the GM and all that business. Not, way to spin it positively. Well, I tried. I'd like to somehow scientifically <laughs> test what's inside of your heart because I still feel like there's a lot of bile in there about Terrell Suggs and John Harbaugh yeah, and a lot he of was those lying Ravens. Just- Oh, I can't stand the Raven or the Ravens at all. But they've got their own, enough of their no, own. No, you problems. love this. Yeah. You love that the Ravens are having a terrible season. Well, it's I, okay. I, I don't want to see them get a higher draft pick than the Browns. That would be the <laughs> ultimate disaster. Okay, so win some games, please. All right. Speaking of the Cleveland Browns, uh, they played the Pittsburgh Steelers in Pittsburgh. They were supposed to play Landry Jones, but Landry Jones gets hurt early in the game. Who comes in? Ben Roethlisberger. He throws. You know, I don't even. I don't know. It throws for what? 740. 379 <laughs> yards, three touchdowns, a 30-9 to win over the Browns. Mark, only the Browns could find a way to force Pittsburgh to beat them with Ben Roethlisberger. It is the most Cleveland loss ever, and it's been 12 in a row losses in Pittsburgh. The last time they won was 2003, and it looked like all the others. You just don't have enough to take care of Big Ben. And he, you know, I understand he's, he's so-called, he's injured. Nonsense. He looked fine to me. <laughs> so-called Came injured. in and just whipped the ball all over the place. And Cleveland's defense is an absolute disaster. There is no excuse for what is happening on this side of the it's ball. It's good they got Mike Pettin in there to, you know, shore up the well, defense. Well, he has so many. And, they, you know, and Jimmy Haslam after the game, because this was a week where people thought if they get waxed by Pittsburgh, which happened, that they could wipe this coaching staff out. And Haslam, after the game, the owner said, no, no, no big changes. But he did tell them they need to soul search what's going on. Because, number one, they're talking about putting Josh McCown back in at quarterback and wow. just floating through the rest of the season with not a single thing for the well, fans to be excited Johnny about. the football report, at least. Well, big he, numbers. I mean, this must be the well, 375 yards, but only nine points. It came out of nowhere because I was watching him, and suddenly he had a ton of yards. And he was making, he made a couple big throws. It was still not an overly impressive game by Manziel, frankly. I think he just does not, he just doesn't look in control or very comfortable out there, and he's still learning. But he is, he finds a way four or five times a game to escape what should be a disastrous play and make a throw. There's no other quarterback in Cleveland that can do that. So I would say ride with him. And I'll say this in Johnny Mansell's defense. We get we spend hours talking about how things are tough for Aaron Rodgers because he doesn't have Jordy Nelson. 
Who does Johnny Manziel have besides Gary Barnage? You know what he has? A, Duke a Johnson's an okay player. He's got Travis, no wide receivers. Travis Benjamin's having Benjamin a really makes good game. Benjamin plays. is. Ben- this is not a great offense no. around him. And no, they promised a good point. All, yeah, they promised all offseason that we're going to pound you with the run, play like oh a my brown. God. 14 carries for 15 yards. And, oh, and, oh, and no. a ton of penalties. They had a total, so, yeah, of 12 negative yards. Right. Rushing I mean, yards. it's you, you want to paint a picture of a team that looked like they didn't practice last week. This is it. This is what's going to happen. Uh, whoever the GM is, let's just say it's Ray Farmer, Gary Barnage, knock at the door, right? Uh, Farmer opens it up. I'm Gary Barnage. You know who I am, mate. But you gotta get some better playmakers around me, man. Come on, it's got. We gotta have an offense that's mega, man. This offense ain't mega. You know it. And keep Johnny football. Gary Barnage out. Sounds accurate. Great. Wow. <laughs> You need okay. Barnage to have a bigger voice in the front office, is what I'm I saying. I like what he had to say. Be a leader. Yeah. Be a leader, Barnage. By the way, I know I'm going to get just flooded with uh, just bile from our British listeners who do not like when I use my British accent. They, they find it, I think, almost offensive. But that's well, about, I, it's the best I can do. It's remotely and closer to not accurate. But. Well, you were in London. I have never been there. You know, does that not sound anything like England? Not really. Any region? I mean, there may be a neighborhood, a small neighborhood stretch where that's, that's where Gary the, Barnage that's the is dialect, from. but it's a small one. That's where Gary's from. I can take that. Go for it. What Next else? Attempt. What else? Ben throws for the most yards ever by a relief quarterback. How did Big Ben get, get oh, this game, man. Mark? How does this happen? I don't know. <laughs> how did the Browns coach, figure out how to do this stuff? Someone else Shouldn't the coaching staff be questioned for why wasn't Ben Ross? I think the same thing. Yes. I guess the whole idea was probably we can beat the Browns with Landry Jones, and if it's not going well, we'll just put in Roethlisberger. Because they wouldn't have sat there and lost with Landry Jones. With the bye next week, that's exactly what they were doing, which is such a slap in the face to Cleveland as a franchise. (laughs) Total disrespect. But but Big Ben did say, I mean, he got stepped on at one point. He was hobbling around. Other than that, he looked like a complete, you know, destruction robot. By the way, the Browns have earned that disrespect. Yes, they have. Yeah. By the way, I just want to throw something out there. Browns might be the worst team in the NFL. I hate to. Well, you just it. called the Lions that, but I think you're right. Lions well, the power pole says they 49ers. I just want to say um, one thing from this game. Um, it's going to sound like a little bit of hyperbole, but I believe that the Antonio Brown touchdown uh, somersault into the end zone, sticking the landing, Ooh, was yeah. the greatest touchdown celebration in NFL history. Wow. From a pure athleticism. Just a beautiful, oh, he is a gorgeous. gorgeous athlete and sticking the landing. Think about how hard that must be. And he's a super, he's a superhero to me. He can retire now. He's been called a gorgeous athlete by Dan Hans. You couldn't even, that's not even necessarily a celebration. <laughs> it's perfect, though. It literally was just part of the touchdown. I mean, they, right, he, he did that. That was part of the game. He crossed the goal line like that. That's awesome. TD just told me in my ear that The Rock, uh, he works out with Dwayne Johnson, which perhaps, Well, you can tell now. Yeah. I don't think The Rock's pulling that move off. I don't know. The Rock's pretty awesome. I, I saw that um, stupid... He's like 47 earth- now, isn't he? I saw that stupid earthquake movie he was in, San Andreas. Why? What a, a tremendous film. Uh, it was the best $5.99 I've ever spent. If you want to watch a, a, a brain-dead movie that keeps you invested for 94 straight minutes, check out San Andreas. Cool. Check. Put that on the Blu-ray. You've definitely not had many good appetizers in your life if, if that's the best five ninety nine you've ever seen. <laughs> Did you ever hear, like, I wouldn't even call it hate watching because it was just like, 
First of all, you're, if you're living in California, it's kind of fun to see the entire region destroyed. It's terrifying. Yeah, uh, knowing that that could actually happen. And then when Rock is flying around L.A. in a helicopter saving uh, lives of um, attractive like women, it's airtight, perfect. Sounds like an airtight plot. <laughs> Don't knock it till you try it. That's Relatable. All I'm yeah. What else? Let's move on. <laughs> Please. So the Browns stink. Uh, you know, Mark, at least you know that the Jets have come back down to earth, too. We are misery in arms still. I don't see that being the case. <laughs> okay. Just trying to make you feel better. Moving on. Um, the St. Louis Rams is, you know, Greg loves the St. Louis Rams. We all know that. He has sandwiches riding on them, finishing uh, in second place or better in the NFC West this year. Took a hit on Sunday. Zach Miller of the Bears caught two touchdown passes. And rookie Jeremy Langford, who looks like a player, had two, two more touchdowns. The Bears put it on the Rams. 37-13 to win at the Edward James Olmos Dome. Good job covering up the concrete, by the way. Finally. St. Louis, a little too late, says Reggie Bush. Um, Colleen, <laughs> same old story with the Rams. You want to buy in, but they just won't let you. You, I thought going into this game that they would absolutely win this game, and then that would put them in great position in the division. But just like the Rams do, I mean, a bad team at home. Now, yes, the Bears have been playing better, but they just could do it. They got down early in this game. And then Todd Gurley was nowhere to be found. I mean, he, on that opening drive, had a nice catch on a screen pass. And he, that was when we saw the hurdle. I don't know if you guys saw it, but it was awesome. After that, though, nothing. They, they couldn't run him at all. And then you put the ball in Nick Foles' hands. Another, That's a mess. And another shot at, you know, Wes, you like to say that Jay Cutler is the worst quarterback ever. 19 of 24 <laughs> against St. Louis's stout defense in St. Louis. 19 of 24, 258, three Ooh, touchdowns, wait. no interceptions, a 151 passer rating, 90.2 QBR if you're into that thing. That's a very nice game. He also destroyed Greg Williams' blitz today. He was really effective against the blitz. I, I don't want to go wild when Zach Miller and Jeremy Langford did most of the work on those 80-yard touchdowns. But, yeah, it's a pretty good game for Jake Cutler. Yeah, he's, he's putting having, on some good tape right now if yeah. he's going to be somewhere else next year. He's having a good season. I mean, I think you guys just get sucked in by him. That's well, fine. I'm not going to get sucked Some teams in. can overpay for him. And no, I'm not. I'm not trade for him, and it's a mess. He's not a franchise quarterback, but having, he can be a decent quarterback. He can be having, Ryan Fitzpatrick. You put him on the Rams, and they'd be making the playoffs. He'd probably detonate their offense too. He'd get their off. He'd get their staff fired. It's so hard to trust him. I know. I don't know exactly. why people act like he's trustworthy. Maybe he is All the perfect guy for the Rams. Just... Then the non-trustworthy quarterback on the non-trustworthy team. Put them together. Maybe. Two negatives create a positive. I mean, the Rams want to go 7-9, to nine and they're on target, so I don't see what the problem <laughs> That's is. That's their job. That's a good point. This team, they're not really built to play from behind at all, but they're not really built to play offense when it's close. Or they're not built to play offense. They're really not built sign. to play offense. I don't know why or they didn't go the back to Gurley, though, at all. I mean, you know that you really don't have anything in the passing game. I think they're they're one of the worst, if not the worst, in the NFL oh, passing yeah. game. It's and organized. you you have Todd Gurley there. Why not try and run him? John Fox, I think, has done one of the best coaching jobs in the league, which pains me to say. I usually enjoy hammering him. They, they're a team that could be looking at the way some of these games have ended and really feel like they should be 6-3. and three. I mean, they, they have won some games pretty clearly, won some close ones at the end that they really shouldn't have. They've been in every game. They're, other than that Seahawks one with Jimmy Clausen, they're playing pretty well. Your boy, your boy Nick Foles, 
Nick Foles. I say your boy because last week you said he was like one of the best deep throwers in the league. I said he can throw it. I don't think really it's as far boy. about as easily no, as anyone what else. What Greg said was Nick Foles has a giant hose. He said <laughs> he did. It was weird. O for twelve on passes of ten plus yards downfield. Off target. It went really far though. Most <laughs> attempts on such passes without a completion in the last ten years. Mm. And to add insult to injury, uh, Brandon behind the glass can help us out with this. Uh, Martellus Bennett, uh, one of the Bennett brothers, always they have interesting things to say. Oh, so zany. Martellus Bennett had this to say about the St. Louis Rams. I mean, it was good. We was playing against, I mean, I consider St. Louis Seattle's little brothers. So this is a bunch of front runners. I mean, 97, he's a little um, So, I mean, overall, I was just happy to go out there and kick their ass. <laughs> 97 is Eugene Sims, a defensive end for St. Louis. How can you be uh, somebody's little brother and also a front runner? I didn't even get the connection there. Well, there there was some sort of altercation, I guess, with Eugene Sims during the game. Yeah, if they're front runners, they're the worst front runners ever because they they're are. never in front. You're asking they always for a, have a sensible comment from the, one of the Bennett brothers. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a good point. I don't trust the Bennett brother. They're so funny and profound, profound and zany, though. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, Greg, you are you you're nervous about the them being a team that's going to contend or get second place. Sandwiches on the line. Well, they could still get second place, but these two losses back to back were were the types of games that lose bad teams lose. So, no, they're not looking very good. Mm. I'm not giving up on them. They, See how much it pains you to say that sentence. Yeah, they're not giving up on them. Four and five, you're in the mix. That's big that of you, is. Greg. You're saying I'm not perfect. I'm not. I'm not giving up on my beliefs, but I'm also. I know I'm in danger here. That's a very would you view. I don't know where that's going. <laughs> would you start Case Keenum over Nick Foles? No. Nick Foles well, completed forty-seven percent of his passes. Case He's not why not then, right? Same. I, I was wondering why. Wes wants uh, Case Keenum back on the Case Keenum flag fly. I was wondering why Chris was sitting up a little straighter. He was like, I forgot about that. Case Keenum played today. I forgot about the Case Keenum crutch of 2013. Um, all right. So that's what Matt Schaub has wrought. My Case Keenum crutch. Dangerous uh, times. Connie Fox. Yes. You've said it all. You've come and delivered um, generous insight. Mm-hmm. Uh, with a slice of mirth is what, what we look for. That's great. all our guests. Happy to help. But I don't even view you as a guest. You're part of the team. Thanks. I think that covers it. That's good. That's well done. Nice. All right, Connie, join us again next week. And I we'll will. do this again. All right. Out goes. Can we do this again? Yeah, oh, look. All right. It's not getting less awkward. <laughs> nope, it's not. If, and if you have not, if you're not watching these shows on Sunday on YouTube and NFL Now, just for the awkward ISO cam, <sighs> you need to be watching this. Because it's not getting easy. It's still up. It's still there. It's, just it's still happening. Each second passes. All right. Thank you, Colleen. All right. Colleen has left us, as has Mark Sessler, who had some family things to attend to. I think we could take it away from here, from there, though, guys, because we have a team to talk about, a very special team that achieved a very special honor. Oh, yes. It is the Arizona Cardinals who are in the driver's seat in the NFC West after a 39-32 victory over the Seattle Seahawks at the clink. A huge win in primetime for Carson Palmer and company. Palmer threw for 363 yards, three touchdowns. Arizona had a 19-0 lead in this game initially. 22-7 at the half. They gave it all the way back to the point where they were trailing 29-25 early in the fourth after Bobby Wagner ran back in a fumble. 
uh, return. But this is when, yes, and Greg, as you know, I am the president of Statement Games. The Statement, statement Game Committee, committee yes. Uh, this was a statement game by the Cardinals because <laughs> with the clink going absolutely bonkers after Seattle took the lead, what does Arizona do in its final two positions? possessions? Bang, 80-yard touchdown uh, march. Bang, another 80-yard touchdown march. Uh, game over. Drew Stanton dancing. West beaming. Greg getting all excited, and guess what? The team of ATL is surging at 7-2, Wes. What a game. This had a little bit of everything. The Cardinals are up 269 yards to 89 yards at halftime. Seahawks storm back, back-to-back possessions, strip sack Carson Palmer. It's like an avalanche. It was like an avalanche. It didn't look like Arizona's offensive line could block the Seattle Blitzers with the offensive line shuffling. And then Arizona comes back. They find their metal. They find their backbone. Fight back with two big drives. Andre Ellington's skirting the sideline and Drew Stanton going crazy. I don't think Bruce Arians would have it any other way. He told Chris Collins where this is kind of one of those hump games they need to get over for them to be the team that he believes they should be. They have to go to Seattle and win a game and to be put in a situation where they had that much adversity in the fourth quarter and then to come through, that's money in the bank that they should be able to cash in all year. Forget about the NFC West. I mean, the the Seahawks have an uphill battle to make the playoffs right now. The NFC West is going to be the Cardinals unless something seriously goes wrong. And something seriously went wrong last year with Carson Palmer uh, blowing his ACL. But that's really, it seems to me, the only way that this team could be stopped now getting into the playoffs and being a high seed in the playoffs And really, I mean, I know Seattle's been failing to close all season and they have not had a a great season in that in that right. But I thought this game was over. I mean, the (laughs) tidal wave, um, just to hear the clink as loud as it was, that's why it was a statement game to Arizona. Because really, despite it still only being 29-25 at that point, you would have thought that the Seahawks were going to run away with it because it swung. And yet. The team of ATL. I love that it was Jerron Brown and Andre Ellington coming up with the big plays down the stretch mm. because this really is a team. And they've got their depth. We talk about Larry Fitzgerald and John Brown and Chris Johnson. But they go so deep at all those positions that you can have an Andre Ellington with a huge play. And Jerron Brown made three big plays in the fourth quarter after Michael Floyd had a hamstring. And the, the best secondary in this game was the Arizona Cardinals secondary. And Russell Wilson did not have a very good game overall. You know, they, they moved the ball right after halftime, but for the first half they struggled. And then, then at the fourth quarter, they didn't come up with the big plays either. And Tyron Matthew and just that entire secondary is playing well. So many things in this game were similar to other Cardinals games where they really could have had a bigger lead. They had, a, I thought, a statement drive early in the game, a 15-play drive. But Palmer throws a bad interception at the end of it. They could have put up more points in the first half than they really did. It looked like it was going to come back to haunt them. Didn't in the end. And let's give Carson Palmer some credit because there is this ongoing narrative about Cam Newton deserves to be in the MVP race and everyone's overlooking Cam Newton. And perhaps that's true. But nobody's talking about Carson Palmer as someone that should be in that discussion. I know Tom Brady is second on my list. The leader. Mm. He now has 23 touchdowns. That's second in the NFL to Brady. Just six picks. I mean, he's on pace to throw close to 5,000 yards. His passer rating is off the charts at 110. He is having a killer season at age 35. He'd be second on my list, and all the silly people talking Charles Woodson and Aqib Tlaib for <laughs> well, Defensive over. Player of the Year, they ought to be watching Tyron Matthew play football this year. Well, Palmer hasn't had a lot of those big national games where he's 
excelled, and now he has this one, and then next week he's got the Bengals on Sunday Night Football again. So now it's time for them to start winning some of these A lot of storylines in that game. A lot of narratives. Carson Palmer against the Bengals. Ooh, I like it. That was Wes, who uh, some, of you, some of you might know, used to be a Bengals fan. Carson Palmer was the last quarterback that you enjoyed or struggled with in Cincinnati. No, I didn't enjoy him. That was well past the time where I, I was done. He had given him up by then. I enjoyed him. The timeline's kind of fuzzy to me. I love that 2005 team. I loved They uh, were fun they to were watch. On Hard Knocks in general, and and he wanted out. He didn't want to work for Mike Brown, and now he, here he is in a, in a big game, not two teams that might be headed to a bye. Imagine is that, that a, the Bengals and the Cardinals. Is that a Sunday night game next week? That yes. is. They flex that in. That's oh, we flex gotta, coming in nicely. We have to rearrange our podcast around that game. Okay. What a great game that's going to be. <laughs> you see, it's because Cincinnati's involved. It's in your blood. The team of ATL is involved. Fighting. Anybody have any other uh, takeaways from this game? Anything with Seattle, Greg? I, I just Cliff Averill was amazing, but I think in the end, again, the defense collapsing in the fourth quarter, and again, again the offensive line and the offense not really playing that well. I think their schedule isn't bad going down the stretch, but now we're at the point where you can't just be like, okay, Seattle's going to fix everything, and they're going to coast into the playoffs. It's not going to be that easy. Well, they're not the same team they were last year. We saw Bill Barnwell tweeted a stat. The Cardinals scored as many points in this game as the Seahawks gave up in the last six games combined last year. Mm. Hmm. So, yes, the Seahawks are definitely in some danger now, and the Cardinals flying high, making us proud. You know, anybody that's tweeting at us halfway, you know, when the Seahawks are making their charge and saying, oh, you guys are cursing, the team of ATL is a curse. Curse this. We got a lot more tweets, though, that were friendly tweets saying, what a fun team this is to watch. Dan is not fueled by the nice tweets. Oh. He's fueled by the <laughs> hatred you. coming at him. Thank you. Uh, slights, perceived and otherwise. That's what drives <laughs> me. Uh, that is it for another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. Uh, thank you for listening and uh, watching on YouTube. And just know we have another three shows coming up uh, this week. The next show is Tuesday. We'll, we'll uh, maybe I teased it last last week and then it didn't happen for a couple different reasons. But one of our favorite segments. Oh yeah, we'll do it. This will return on Tuesday. Mm. I think the listeners will enjoy it. So that's all I'll say about that. So uh, make sure you check it out. That's it for now. This is Dan Hansis signing off for the Quiet Storm, the Mailman, the Boss, Brandon and TD behind the glass, and Connie Fox. Horse. Till Tuesday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. 
Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.